Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Pray with me. So Holy God, meet us in the reading of this word, that we might hear what you speak to us this day. Amen. Our first reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew. We'll begin reading in the middle of the 23rd verse and read through verse 35. It is one of Jesus' parables that I believe uh, demonstrates or gives a narrative form of this beatitude, blessed are the merciful. As we come to this passage, join with me first for a word of prayer. Most gracious God, because you are God, it is your word that we need for life. Because you are gracious, we trust you will speak to us. We are here, O God. We are listening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us listen now for God's word for us. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and his children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said, You wicked slave, 
I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do with every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Hmm. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So we're looking at these Beatitudes as they turn the world upside down. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who know in every moment their dependence on God. Blessed are the grieving, the mourning, those whose heart breaks for the way the world is and the way they hope the world will be. Blessed are those who are parched for righteousness. And blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. If there's one beatitude that makes sense, that is not so world turned upside down, it's this one, isn't it? Doesn't everyone showing mercy, doesn't everybody think that's a good thing? At least when we receive mercy, it is, but extending mercy to others when they don't deserve it? Hmm. Jesus tells this story of a man who owes his master 10,000 talents. Tom Long says we might as well translate that a bazillion dollars. It's so much money that Jesus' followers had to laugh out loud when they heard the amount. How could any one person be so much in debt? It is an unpayable debt. But the comedy continues because even though the debt is unpayable, the servant promises, I'm good for it. I'm good to the last penny. You just show a little patience, have a little trust in your neighbor, and I'm going to come through for you. Well, the master knows that's never going to happen. But out of pity, out of compassion, he forgives the debt and sets the servant free. Oh, the servant, he owed it, but he does not receive what he deserves, but mercy. And seemingly, in the next moment, the forgiving, forgiven servant meets another servant who owes him not a bazillion dollars, but lunch money. He says, pays me what you owes me. And if the, as, as if the second servant had the same speechwriter as the first, he does the same thing. He falls on his knees and he says, have patience with me and I will pay you back everything I owe nothing doing. He refuses to give him time, to have patience, and certainly refuses to forgive the debt. He throws him into debtor's prison. Now, what the first servant does is he's, it's legal. I mean, you can't just get away with everything. And some might say what he does is smart. He's owed the money, so the other servant must pay something. But what he does is not blessed. That's clear. It's not holy. Jesus says what's holy, what's blessed, is to be merciful. The thing about mercy, if it's extended to you, it means you don't get 
what you deserve. We know we often don't get what we deserve. But usually when we say that, we, we mean that life owes us more than we've gotten somehow, and often it does. People get sick, and, and they don't deserve that. Life brings bad breaks, sometimes at no fault of our own. Life is unfair. We hate that. We hate it when it comes that way to us and, or to those that we love. It eats at us. But mercy is also unfair. Mercy means we don't get what we deserve. It's, it's not easy when people don't get what's coming to them, when they get off the hook. Sometimes it's hard to know if we are bothered more by innocent folks facing unfair problems or by guilty folks getting off without paying their due. They're both unfair. But Jesus says to show mercy in the moment that mercy is needed is blessed. Jesus said those who show mercy will also receive mercy. And you can trust that they will receive mercy because the truth of it is we all already have. You see, the heart of this beatitude is this question. Do you believe that God is merciful? Is life, is life a scale on which blessings are reward for good behavior and troubles are punishment for bad behavior? Or is life a collection of moments and circumstances, a network of relationships and connections, an avenue to steward gifts which have been bestowed upon you if life is a calculation of earned worth, then build your life. But life is really first. Life is really the first taste of salvation, the greatest of gifts from a generous God. God has already given us more than we deserve, so God has been merciful. So the question is, do you trust that God is merciful, and is the mercy of God enough to motivate mercy in us? It's a good question, and it's not one we answer just once. Now, the mercy of God, the mercy of the Master, wasn't enough to motivate, motivate mercy in the slave in the story. Even after experiencing life-changing mercy, he continues to live as if the world is a set of credits and debts that must be settled. Mercy can't be trusted. But for some in this world, the mercy of God is a north star from which they chart their own life of mercy. One such person is Valerie Kaur. She's a 40-year-old brilliant woman, graduate of Stanford, Harvard, and Yale Law School. If there's anything more impressive than her big brain, it is her big heart, which is shaped by her faith. Now, she's not Presbyterian. She's not even Christian. Valerie, Valerie Kaur is Sikh. She remembers when she was a young girl, elementary school, middle school age, 
Her best friend, through all those years, one afternoon, told her how sad she was that Valerie wasn't going to heaven. Her best friend was Christian, of course. I hope not Presbyterian, but she was Christian. And she knew from her own church that she was on the right team and that her team deserved to go to heaven. And unfortunately, Valerie, as much as she loved her, she was on the wrong team. And so she would experience condemnation. She knew what people deserved in the end, and she told her so. And Valerie said this upon reflecting that, on that. She said, my friend had no curiosity about me anymore. She had me and everything figured out. That lack of curiosity, that lack of what Valerie will call wonder, stripped her friend of mercy. Years later, Valerie became aware that many folks, most of whom I imagine thought themselves as Christian, couldn't wait for Sikhs to know damnation. There was a rash of beatings and even murders of Sikhs. It happened in the days and weeks and months following 9-11. Her uncle ran a gas station in Arizona. He was planting flowers to beautify his gas station, and a man drove up and shot him in the back. He died on the spot. You know, it was after 9-11, men who are faithful Sikhs wear turbans. Many Americans, knowing very little about other parts of the world and very little about the people from other parts of the world, just knew they weren't like us. We don't wear turbans here, and so they don't deserve what we deserve. It's kind of like the rather astonishing increase in physical attack that Asian Americans are experiencing right now. It has to echo to them of the treatment the Japanese Americans experienced during World War II. Well, after 9-11, many brown people experienced hostility. Sikhs were attacked. Such attacks of violence can make you bitter, and it no doubt did make many bitter. But Valerie Kaur, she remembered the lesson she learned when you stop having curiosity about those that you don't know and understand. She now labors for what she calls revolutionary love. She says her grandfather, whom she calls Papa G, taught her this as a tenet of her Sikh faith. He taught her that she should see no stranger, as he says, to see no one as a stranger. But if there's one you don't fully know or understand, that's not a stranger to you. That's just someone who's part of your own life story that you don't fully know yet. And so it should spark curiosity. It should spark wonder. In her beautiful book, See No Stranger, she explains it this way. Love is dangerous business. If you choose to see no stranger, then you must love people even when they do not love you. You must wonder about them. Wonder about them. You see, Valerie Coeur advocates that we set down our certainty about others and replace it with wonder. 
I find the spiritual wisdom of this young Sikh woman to echo this beatitude of Jesus. I think mercy is born from a spiritual practice of wonder. Wonder is the admission that you don't know everything about a person or a people. You don't know the whole story. You don't know all that they've walked or experienced. And from our faith tradition, it means you may not know what it is that Jesus loves about that person or those people. And until we know what it is that Jesus loves about them, we should wonder. Wonder is where empathy is born. Such wonder might allow us to see that life is its not a scale on which blessings are rewards for good behavior and, and trouble or punishment for bad behavior. No one gets what they deserve. No, life is rather a collection of moments and circumstances, a network of relationships and connections, and an avenue to steward gifts which a merciful Creator has bestowed upon us all. If life is just a calculation of earned worth, then build your life. But if life, if life is the first taste of salvation, the first taste of the glory of God, if life is the avenue on which the mercy of God is poured out upon us, then that mercy ought to inspire us to be merciful. If I understand the text, it suggests we have already, we've already been blessed with color and music and love and taste and kindness and care and health and friendship and we've been forgiven the proverbial bazillion dollars. So showing some wonder, showing some mercy to one another may cost us, but it's certainly affordable because the merciful are blessed. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.